What's up, Hyperfast Nation? On this episode of the show, we are bringing a speaker from the 2023 Hyperfast Agent Summit. Stand by for an introduction from the one and only Dustin Brown. All right, we are now ready for our keynote speakers. Tim and Julie Harris sold over 100 homes their first year in real estate. For over a decade, they sold 100 to 200 homes a year, and for nearly 20 years, they've coached real estate agents and have done over 100,000 paid coaching calls. They were recently named the, the, one of the number one, no, the number one real estate coaches in North America. Their podcast is the number one daily downloaded real estate agents podcast. Their most recent book, Harris Rules, was an instant bestseller. Please, ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the stage, Tim and Julie Harris! And we want to move you too. So, I'm quite serious. Everybody move up, fill all of the chairs. Nobody in the back. We want to talk to all of you. We want you to be close. We want to see your faces. We want to get to know you. So fill in the chairs. It's okay to have nobody in the back two rows. So take a second while we get organized and please move up, be cozy with each other. It's okay. It won't hurt you in the back. I saw you guys looking at each other like, oh, they're not gonna talk to us yet. No we cooties. Are. Come on. Come on, move up, let's go. Now, I'm gonna start with the best news first. We're not selling anything, but there is a lot of great vendors here today, and of course, hyper-fast coaching as well, and not only are we not selling anything, but we're giving things away, our book, which by the way, Carrie and Dan were gracious enough to purchase for all of you guys. Funny true story, those books, we don't get a discount on them because we sold the rights to our book, and so basically we pay what you guys pay on Amazon, so those books actually cost a lot of money, so congratulations. So say thank you to Carrie and Dan. Yes, so we'd like to start out by giving you, uh, reading you guys something that we received. Are we, are we able to start with a little bit of a sad story? Is that okay? A sad story? I mean, that's always the way you start a presentation is you make people depressed, right? All right, so uh, you want to read it? Do you have it teed up? Uh, yeah, I do. Okay. Hold on. I have the glasses, so. Yeah, well, I have glasses too, but I don't want to wear them. All right. This All right is and, and we're going to do a lot of different things with you, so please do be ready to take notes. We're not going to have a lot of slides. We're not going to have things for you to take pictures of. It's all up to you. Transferring from your brains through your hand to real notes. Old school, pencil and ink. Well, you, can you can get you can type. It's okay. We're going to tell you. There it is. We're going to tell you how to get our notes. Can you read that okay? Yeah. Okay. We're going to tell you how to get our notes during the presentation. You guys, we're going to give them to you, but... Uh, not today. And we, the reason we don't have slides is because, frankly, we just revised this this morning. All right, we're so we're going to read you something. Now get ready. This is very, very bad. Who has children in this room? We have a little Pretty third grader. Old. Yeah, we do. Name Zoe. She's and she just received the world's saddest rejection letter. You ready? I know. Ready? Ready to shed a tear? Okay, Go this ahead. is a letter from uh, the drama teacher to me. Greetings, Julie. Zoe auditioned for the Willy Wonka Jr. production at uh, Tassis Dorado last Thursday. The auditions were extremely competitive amongst the three grades and students were tested on their ability to follow choreography sequence and sing a song. She was evaluated by our choreographer and vocal coach. We received many students and sadly, your child did not pass the audition this Ouch. time. 
Uh, we would like to. Nine years old. <laughs> and man, would she have liked to have passed that. Test. Yes. But we to be an Oompa Loompa. You guys remember Charlie and Chocolate yeah. Factory? Who has, you know, scary memories and bad dreams from those horrible little trolls? It's a little odd, right? Yes. Okay, so we would like to encourage Zoe to keep practicing and audition again next year. We understand how disappointing this could be, and we apologize for not being able to fit all of the kids in as Oompa Loompas this year. However, we, they're letting us down easy, right? However, I would like to offer Zoe the possibility of being a squirrel in the show. The squirrels appear in one scene acting, so rehearsals would be much fewer days. Let me know if she's interested so I can send you more details. So we told, her, we told her this, we read this to her. We didn't know how she was going to react. Her best friend was an Oompa Loompa, and she didn't become an Oompa Loompa. She goes, I wanted to be a squirrel anyway. Lesson in how to accept rejection, I exactly. suppose, right? And then she went back playing roadblocks. She's you guys totally with the little kids know what I'm talking about. I still yes. don't understand that game. All right, so we need to start out by asking you a series of questions. With, uh, well, that's true. So um, you're going to have questions from what we're going to present to you. We're going to go fast. This is going to be a lot of this information you never heard before, unless you listen to our podcast, which all of you should. Um, and yeah, you're going to have questions. So the way to uh, ask questions is just go to Instagram. And if you guys all have your Instagram, go to Instagram right now and just follow uh, Tim and Julie Harris. And that's where you guys can ask us questions afterwards. And that's the way we're going to move forward because there's a lot of content. And I like what he said. 10% uh, of you are going to really get this and run with it. The rest of you are going to put it someplace in your brain. But I want to do start out by saying this. Julie and I were in Hawaii in uh, 2000, in uh, late 2018 presenting similar content, but we'd presented it six months prior, actually a year prior on our podcast, and a gal and her husband came up crying and said how much this information changed their lives. And this, and, but this is, so this is, you know, again, this is stuff that we know can have a positive impact on your lives, depending on where you are mentally and emotionally, um, and frankly, financially, where you're at in terms of your willingness to receive it. So go ahead, ask for permission. So what are we going to talk about? cliffhanger, right? We're going to talk about money. Do we have your permission to talk to you about wealth, wealth creation, and money? Is that okay with you guys? It's okay if some of you are uncomfortable. Many people are uncomfortable talking about money. Thank you, Carrie. Well, people talk about money, right? But we're, and we're going to address that. But there's a difference between talking about it and actually accumulating it. So one day, again, you're, yes. Yes, so if we have your permission, yes. So our goals are to educate you, motivate you, and get you into action. If you listen to our podcast, you know that that's our mission. If you don't know about our podcast, please go ahead and subscribe to it. We're going to drill down on future podcasts going even deeper into this content. So educate you, motivate you, and get you into action. For, this, for that to happen, we need your permission to be very direct, open, and honest about that taboo known as money that maybe you've not been talked to about as much as some of us would like to. So here's the opening question. What is your definition of the word rich? And this is interactive. That's the reason we moved you guys up. And if you don't raise your hands, we will point at you. We are so rude like that, right there in the great sweater. I've been admiring that all day, yes. So what's your definition of rich? It's okay if you don't have one, honestly. And there's no trick questions. We're not putting anybody on the screen. No. Carrie, what's your definition of rich? Okay, that's good. Uh, gal behind you? You did one? You, oh, you, sorry, sir. One of you guys did. Yes, your definition of rich. Okay, 
time freedom. I appreciate that. Yes, ma'am. Uh-oh. I happen to think she's a podcast listener. She's about to drop a bomb. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yep. She's, she follows us. <laughs> yep. Well, so she got it right. So, Rich, write this down and remember this. This is really important. Um, if you guys are, none of you, I assume, were, you know, from very overly affluent families. Neither of us were. Uh, we've been married 32 years this year. Yeah. Uh, oh, not to the same people. She's on her sixth marriage. No, no. no, no. <laughs> so, all right, so we've been married to for 30. Yes. We've been married for 32 years this year. We did our first transaction. We were 22 and 23. And as uh, Carrie's, I don't remember the gentleman's name that read our intro, but we did sell 100 houses our first year in the business. And we were, our mission when we got into real estate was to be out within less than 10 years and live off the cash flow. Now, we didn't do it in 10 years. Uh, it was by the time I was 40 and she was 39. But we did get there from rental properties initially. But there's something at the end I'm going to tell you guys about that's, frankly, if we had to do it all over again, I probably we probably wouldn't have bought any rental properties. We would have just focused on this one thing. So but we'll really, here's what matters. Riches, riches where your money works for you, and you no longer have to work for your money. You've got to remember that. It's not anything more than that. It's not politicized. It's not drama. It's not, there's nothing more to think about. Riches where your money works for you, and you no longer have to work for your money. Just accept that. Don't, you know, because people are confused about it. There's all these taboos about money, all these taboos about the word rich. So for Carrie, for example, for Carrie and Dan to be rich, I'm guessing, they probably need $25,000 a month, completely passive coming in per month. Um, you know, you'll know what your number is. We're going to go through this again relatively quick, but it's important where you know where we're coming from because, again, talking about money, talking about wealth, talking about rich, being rich, offends people sometimes. We've learned this having done this a million times. But I want to clarify the word passive. It's not transactional. Passive is where your money is working for you more than you're working for it. Mm -hmm. That's passive. We're talking about rentals are a good example of this, right? You can have passive income from dividends, from business investments, from revenue share. The point is that it's not commission to commission to commission. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Okay. So we're going to get at the core of what money is and what it isn't. We've gotten your permission. So write down the question to yourself, and we're going to go relatively you fast this here. Yes. So I have a question in. for you guys. Yeah. Would you, um, I want to tell a story, but I want to be quick, so I won't tell a story. So would you rather be rich or would you rather be famous? Casey, would you rather be rich or would you rather be famous? Okay. Mm so would you rather be rich or rather be famous? Yes, you. Okay. I'm so glad that we're all clear. So here. here's, a, here's an, I will tell my story. So I was running a clubhouse for somebody, and I was telling the story uh, about, because Julie and I, between the two of us, and I'm not bragging, and what I'm about to tell you, the takeaway should be I feel sorry for Tim and Julie, and I actually mean that sincerely. We've done between the two of us over 100,000 one-on-one coaching calls in our careers. And one of the things I've learned is everybody says they want to be rich, but very few are rich because most people are suckered into basically chasing the wrong goal, which is to be famous. And people assume that if you're famous, you're rich, and that's absolutely not true. You have to have the dominant goal to be rich so you can actually have freedom. Here's the story from Clubhouse. So I'm telling, we're just having a nice little clubhouse, having this conversation, and I go through this whole thing, and this guy who I don't know raises his hand on clubhouse, you guys know about that, and he was, I'm guessing from listening to his voice in his 60s, and he starts telling a story about, and I sort of kind of knew him back from the 90s, I mean, his name sounded familiar, he was saying, Tim, when I was in my, in my this is him looking back, right, Tim, when I was in my 20s, I wanted to be famous, and these are the things I did, you know, these are the ways I spent my money. 
These are the books I read. These are the people I hung out with. In the 30s, I still was chasing that. In my, then he said, I remember this, then he said in his 40s, he started to change his priority. He started realizing that he actually, and Casey, this is what I was trying to share with you today, that he was starting to focus more on the fact that he wished he would have rather, um, you know, essentially been accumulating money so he no longer had to work for his money. Now, he's, remember, he's the guy's in his, I'm guessing, 60s. Then he kept on, he, then I remember he said, and I didn't learn my lesson in my 40s, and it wasn't until my 50s up until now that I'm realizing I should have focused on becoming rich where my money works for me and I no longer have to work for my money. Uh, does this make sense? Is this resonating with you guys? Okay, so that's the important thing. You can sell a million houses. Real, selling real estate won't make you rich. Selling real estate won't make you rich. You should write that down. Because, because that's what, don't we all think, if I just do more houses and more transactions and maybe raise my average sale price or my commission, that's going to make me rich. That's remember, what a lot of us believe, but that by itself will not do it. Because you need profit in order to become rich. Because if you're not running huge profit margins, you're not going to have enough money left over to invest that money to actually accumulate enough assets so that you can live off the passive income. And it doesn't happen either. It doesn't just magically happen over time. You know, I'm 53 this year, right? And I'm not supposed to say how old she is. So the, the reality of it is, is that we learned this lesson. We, we read some books and studied this when we were early, early 20s, but it was from coaching agents that we really learned how important it is that we express this to as many people that will listen, because the older you get, the more you're gonna wish you would have understood that. When you're young, it's all, there's, there's a, you know, you want the attention, you want the recognition, you wanna feel important, you wanna you want prove yourself, you wanna do all these things. As you get older, you don't really feel that itch to scratch anymore, and then really what you want is you want more time freedom. Her point, his point. You want freedom. So here's a question to write down. Why did you personally get into real estate in the first place? Yes, let's answer the question. It's Why did interactive. You do it? It's Inter interactive, but write it down in your notes so that you have a journal to yourself. Why did you get into real estate in the first place? Honestly, why did you get into real estate in the first place? Let's throw out some answers because this is kind of a funny thing if you got what? Well, isn't it all, okay, that's, uh, maybe, okay? okay, a lot of people got into real estate, frankly, because they didn't want to have a boss, a lot of people got, right now everyone's agreeing, a lot of people got into real estate because they didn't want anyone telling them what to do, similar to the first point. What about a lot your schedule? Oh my gosh, total control of your time. A lot of people uh, watch it. too much HGTV, okay, yes. we've coached a lot of those people, and True. it's funny, those people were cast for their ability to be on HGTV, not from their actual sales experience selling houses. So that's kind of interesting. So why do people actually get into real estate? Very, very rarely is it for them to accumulate wealth. You know how you know it's true? How many agents do you guys know? How many real estate people do you guys know that are actually rich, where they have enough money coming in passively, where the money works for them and they no longer have to work for their money? Do you know anybody like that? Julie and I are at a Howard Brinton conference. He's passed away. Probably none of you know who he is. And Julie and I were in this group, the 75 most powerful agents at the time in the United States. And Julie and I only wanted to be part of that group so we could learn to, you guessed it, become rich. And at that meeting, getting to know all those individual people, we quickly learned that they weren't there to get rich. They were there basically to, I mean, frankly, be social. They had no, except one guy, Alan Dom in Philadelphia. Yeah, who basically was selling lots of real estate, but had started building lots of buildings and was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And we met another guy there that was a billionaire. So from those experiences, it really solidified what, what our mission was, was to get to the point 
where working for money became an option. Is this resonating with you guys? What do you get? What are you thinking? Yes, you. Uh, yeah, yeah, you. Okay. Any thoughts? Okay. Well, yes. that's but, good. So all of those other things are true. You wanted control of your time. You probably didn't want to have a boss anymore. You wanted to be rich, but ultimately, didn't you want the freedom to be able to do that yourself and to have that kind of control? So write down the word freedom. At the end of the day, doesn't that encompass everything else? You wanted freedom, and you've got to stay in tune with that throughout your career so that you can become rich where your money is working for you. You are not working as much for it. Let's pile in. Let's what? Let's go. Let's move okay. faster. Remember, this is hyper fast, so get ready to write Yeah, we're going to go fast. All right, so, but remember that. I assume if you really cut through why you got into real estate, I'm going to do the product question, okay? Yes. Why you got into real estate, the answer is, is you got into real estate somewhere in the back of your mind. You might not be there yet, but I promise you, if you stay in real estate long term, you will be there. You want freedom. Not just freedom from having a boss and the tyranny of a schedule that, some, that somebody else created for you, but you want financial freedom so that when you wake up every single day, you don't have to worry about money. The, the amount of human uh, energy that's wasted having to constantly think about money is... Um, it's suppressive, and we're going to explain all this to you and help you root out what your true beliefs are um, about money in regard. So here's another question for you, and then we're going to start moving fast. Mm -hmm. What is the product of your real estate practice? And you can't answer because you listen to our podcast. <laughs> so what's the product of your real estate business? What's the product? There's no, there's no real right answer to this question. What are you trying to produce from real estate? I'll pick on you if you don't what's raise your, your hand. What would you say? Okay, so your product of your real estate business is relationships. That's certainly part of it. What else? I'm sorry? I, oh, past clients, right, relationships, yeah. Right, so you, who are, I appreciate you listening so intently. I can tell. So, so what, what is the product of your real estate business? Okay, there you go. There's okay. some honesty, right? <laughs> I love that. Well, yeah. you're not a not-for-profit business, are you? Okay, well, okay, red shirt, who's, or might be orange shirt, who's applauding for you. What's the product of your real estate business? What'd you say? I'm sorry? Commission. Okay. Okay, so I'll suggest, I'll say all your answers are correct. Sometimes we hear happy customers, and we hear homes sold, we hear all those things, and they're all true. But your product of your real estate business has to be profit. Because if you don't focus on profit, you will not have any profit. You will spend all of your money trying to chase recognition. Remember, rich or famous, which would you choose? You will all naturally choose the recognition because that's what this industry does. It constantly feeds more and more attention. Well, and there's not an award for everything, isn't there? I think there's an attendance award now or something. Yeah, really, like exactly. Everybody's number one. And who was it that said that earlier? I don't think that's Marilyn. Um, that we can't all be one top 1% one or top 5%. Statistically, that's impossible, and yet that's what gets piled on all the time. And then you have a crappy week in real estate where all of your clients are just coming apart and your deals are dying, and you get some of that recognition, and now you want some more. And then you get sucked into that, and it can really eat away at your profit. You've got to really know your numbers. And really, it's difficult because everywhere you turn, there are you're being forced uh, or leveraged into making decisions that... You're, you have to realize the business way to think about things is Mr. Vendor, Mr. Real Estate Coach, right? 
do show me what the what's the actual financial benefit of me doing business with you not downstream and I'll suggest in this marketplace that if you cannot derive a direct benefit from the dollars you're spending and the money you're making that's going to happen in less than 120 days do not do it not right now because the, the market's too volatile. It feels like we're coming out of a recession, but a lot of people think we're gonna go into a deeper recession. The interest rates have leveled off, the interest rates might go down. And there's so, Dan said it earlier, there's actually, he and I were searching for how many expireds there were in this whole region, and the MLS, his app only went to 5,000, there were probably 20,000. So when you're trying to decide where to spend your time and your money, be thinking in terms of immediate, direct correlation between the money I'm spending and the results I'm getting. And if Mr. Vendor or Mr. Real Estate Coach can't validate, then don't do it. You can do more speculative stuff when the market kind of finds its equilibrium. But for now, be very, very opportunistic with what's right in front of you. Does this resonate with you guys somewhat? It's kind of confusing, right? Because you're being told to do a lot of stuff where there's not an obvious benefit from it. So there are so many things out there that you can do. Carrie's, there, Dan and I were talking about what you guys are doing in your coaching widget. I think that's a great idea. There's a lot of things that you guys can be exposed to that will put you in, a, in the way of being able to make money now, because that's what this market's all about. More than ever, more than certainly the last 15 years. Oh, here's a fun question. How many of you were in the business in 2007? Yeah, I can tell by looking at you. <laughs> no, like Julie and I, grizzled veterans. We got the marks to show for it. We got the scars, right, ladies? 100%. You know the funny thing? This is just a joke. But this is the joke between this, the small group that were in the business then. They think that this is like that. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. That was completely different. So that aside, product is your, pro your product is always profit. Just keep that in mind. It's a simple suggestion. Follow it or don't. Next point. Yes, yeah, so this is all still part of our introduction, so we need to kind of move forward. Okay, so our plan for you, yes, it will take longer than you would like. It's going to frustrate you on some days, but it absolutely works. It's going to work faster the faster you work it. Charlie Munger quote, right? Uh, people underestimate or overestimate what they can do in 12 months, but they underestimate what they can do in 20 years. You should write that down. You, and because we're so you underestimate what you can do right. in 20 years, but you overestimate, and this is very symptomatic of our, our realtors today, everybody wants instant gratification all the time, and that's your expectation. But what's your expectation over a year, five years, 10 years? Don't underestimate that. Yep. So our plan for you absolutely works. Again, hundreds of thousands of coaching calls. We did it ourselves. There are three parts, and we may not get through all of it. We're going to drill down in future podcasts this week. So part one, seven rules for wealth building. That's this outline right yep. here. Okay, good. All right, we're at step one. Now there's three steps. We're gonna go really fast. Unfortunately, we've already done some of these points. So you can go probably start, yes. okay, we already did that one and that one. See, we're cruising. All right, there you go. Rule number two. Rule number one, by the way, was what is your definition of rich? And your definition of rich is? Definition of rich is where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. Number two, number two, does selling real estate make you rich? It's what you do with the profits from selling real estate. All right, you guys are paying attention. I appreciate it, especially after this long day. Okay. Now, point number three, or rule number three, rather. Yes, is I, to understand that no one actually wants you to be rich. 
except for maybe us, Dan and Carrie. Have you guys did. thought about that before? Who actually wants you to be rich? Does society want you to be rich? Really drill down on that. If you were rich, where you're, you no longer were dependent on transactional income, where you had money coming in passively from your investments and whatnot, what, would cha what wouldn't change in your life? Think, consider this. Okay, Julie and I do not like talking about ourselves, but I will. 32 years, told you, sold a bunch of real estate, been coaching for a long time. I just summarized, right? There it is. So uh, we started out in Columbus, Ohio. We then moved out to Laguna Beach in Nevada. Then we lived in Texas. And now we live at the Ritz-Carlton in Dorado, uh, Puerto Rico. So if you want to Google that, that place doesn't suck. One of our neighbor's houses just sold for $35 million. So we started out our first house, <laughs> which we should have kept. We should have. Um, we, we paid 70 grand for it. 71, 575. Yeah. It, a payment of 550 a month. And boy, were we happy to have an interest rate of 7%. That's right. So, so when we're telling you about our journey, we were not giving any silver stones. We were not giving. Now, with that said, we were fortunate enough to come across a lot of people that were mentors to us, the books that we read, things that we came across that kept us on the straight and narrow, but we didn't stay on the straight and narrow always. Our mission originally, our goal, was to buy enough rental properties, pay them off by the time I was 40 and she was 39, and then we could live off the cash flow. And I'll tell you what our numbers were. We needed to get to around $25,000 a month and paid off rental properties. Okay, I'll give you the punchline. We did it, I was 41 and she was 40. That's all, that, but we actually accomplished it. But here's the thing with rental properties, I mean, God bless rental properties, but they kind of suck. They're not all that bad. We have property managers for our property managers, but Julie's got to manage the property managers. You're, I'm not call free, okay? The houses do not take care of themselves, nor do the property managers take care of themselves. Just this morning, I asked one, why was the deposit $500 instead of $1,100 on this little property? I could have been passive and ignored that. What would have happened? That would have been okay. So I'm still managing them. And I'm very happy and thankful that we have them. I'm glad that we did that. But don't think that it becomes just massively passive. You still have to be working in it. So that's one avenue. So, so why aren't more people rich? Seriously, why aren't more people living off passive income? Help me understand. I'm honestly, I've, I've not solved for this, ever. I don't understand it. Why don't more people want to be rich where they, they don't have to? Say yes. that again. Right. I agree. Keeps people working. Okay, why else? That's 100% true. Why else? Why aren't more people rich? That's true. Do we agree that everyone, ideally, if they're really super being honest, uh, they would rather give up all their number one real estate plaques for the opportunity to be financially free? Would everyone agree to that? All right, so that's true in life. So if that's the common goal that everyone sort of has in their soul, because I believe that's true, then why is it that more people aren't rich? She said it right there. They basically spend all their money. Why else? I mean, that's the obvious answer, really, that's the bottom line. But why else? Yes. Yeah, that's true. But also, so there's only three things in life you guys can truly control. Remember these three things. You can control your health, you can control your wealth, and you can control your environment. You can control all those things. Okay, the last one, the environment one, is the most important. And this is one of the things that hopefully you guys are, you know, from being around other like-minded people, that's part of your environment. But nowadays, your environment is online as well. So if you're not controlling your physical environment of your home, your community where you live, if you're not controlling the people you expose yourself to in your real estate office or online, uh, if you're not absolutely positively being super careful about who you're allowing to have any kind of influence on your life, you're, that's frankly one of the biggest reasons why more people aren't rich. Because people uh, don't want, 
you guys heard the crabs in the bucket story before? Okay, <laughs> podcast listener. All right, so here's the crabs in the bucket story, and Julie and I actually saw this. You put a bunch of crabs in a bucket. I'm not suggesting you go out and torture crabs, so those of you guys are thinking PETA Don't here. Actually do this. this is just a just kind of a visualization, it. okay? So you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket, and one crab tries to get out of the bucket. What do the other crabs do? Right? And that's what happens in humans, too. So as soon as you start becoming really successful in your real estate business, as soon as you start becoming really successful in life, people start to reject you. I'm using strong words for the sake of brevity, but the fact is, is that is what happens. And oftentimes, it comes from the people that are the closest to you. And some of you are experiencing this, and you haven't thought about it. Oh, you know what, Bob? Bob, right? Bob, you got to slow down. You got to smell Bob. the roses. Oh, Bob, you're working too hard. Oh, Bob, you got to have life balance. These are all people that are saying things to you. Maybe they're not thinking about it before they say it, but is that encouraging you to want to be rich and free, or is that pulling you back in that bucket? How about this? How many of you watch the news? <laughs> Our Uber driver was telling us about the news, and she kept on hearing, kept on saying, did you hear about this? Did you hear? We don't watch the news. We are media free. No, you Complete make your own news. Right. Do you watch? See, here's the way. You can actually monitor yourself as to whether or not you're in the right environment. How do you feel when you're around those people? How do you feel after reading that post? How do you feel after reading that book or watching that video? How do you feel right here? Do you feel like putting your dukes up? Do you feel defensive? Do you feel negative? Do you feel nasty? How do you feel? When is the last time you consumed any content that actually, after you've watched it, made you feel really good? It's because it's not designed that way. It's designed to make you feel defensive. It's designed to tribe all of us up. So if that is what you're exposing yourself to constantly, and everyone in that tribe basically wants you to stay the same, they don't want you to change. And if you start to change, uh, you know what? Julie and I didn't want to live in Columbus, Ohio anymore. Julie and I just, you know, we frankly fell into coaching. And, you know, we got crap from people. Well, why, you know, how about when we sold our first, you know, 100 homes our first, 103 homes our first year in the business? We had friends and family members that rejected us. What, what are you guys doing? Why is not what we have good enough? Do you guys, is this something that's resonating with you guys? Have you had these little experiences in your life? That's the environment that you choose. You gotta be ultra careful of where you allow yourself to be because those well-meaning, good-hearted people are going to pull you back down in that bucket. And that's one of the, so health, wealth, and environment. You gotta control all three of those things. That's right. So. Do you have to inherit wealth or have some sort of head start to become rich? A lot of people believe that. Who believes well, that, that? Who that believes that? Rich because right. it was who, given who, to them. Who believes that millionaires are millionaires because they inherited it? Be honest. It's okay. What percent, Amanda, I'm sorry I haven't met you personally yet. What percent of all millionaires are, uh, have inherited it? And God, wouldn't that be nice if it was all of us? Oh, it's not a bad guess, actually. I got uh, some fast facts for you guys. Oh, you Julie's, Julie's going to fact I us. I won't do all of them. Uh, only 19% of millionaires or better receive any income or wealth of any kind from any trust fund or any kind of estate. Fewer than 20% inherited 10% or more of their wealth. More than half of them never received even a single dollar in inheritance. Fewer than 25% ever received what uh, I think the IRS calls an act of kindness, a, ten, a gift of 10,000 or more from their parents, grandparents, or other relatives. 91% never even got a gift of even a dollar of ownership of a family business. They didn't have their college tuition paid for if they went to college, and fewer than 10% believe they will ever receive any inheritance in the future. When we got married, Julie's grandparents gave us a microwave, and we were thrilled. 
got 800 bucks from relatives. For yeah, that's true. For our honeymoon bucks. at Lake Erie. Yeah. <laughs> In a borrowed condo. I know. Okay, so rule number four, I believe. There are zero downsides to you being rich. Everything is better when you're rich. Remember, we defined rich is when your money is working for you, you're no longer working for it. Hover there. No downside. Hover there. How many of you actually think, you won't say it out loud, I know, but actually believe that more money, it's, wasn't it a, who said it? It's one of you guys, okay, you're going to say it. Who said it? What was the lyric? More money, more problems, right. How many people just say that? More money, more problems, more money, more problems. Do well, you believe that's true? Who believes here that you have more money, or more problems when you have more money? Who believes that? Yes? No. No. The answer was no. Okay, okay. moving on. If, so who else? If mismanaged, perhaps. I can I kind of sense where you're going. However, take any example. Let's say you have a health problem, okay? Okay, there's a good one. People lean into that. You have a health problem, but you have money. You have assets, you have savings in the bank, is your life better or worse? Would you rather have a health problem and be broke or have a health problem and be rich? Think about how much health insurance costs, for example. How are you going to take care of that problem? How are you going to take care of your family while you're getting yourself well? Talk about travel. Are you flying on Yak Air in the back of the plane on a discount because you want to save 200 bucks on that ticket? Now with that said, we did fly on Yak Air here at a discount because we had to book last minute airfare. So as Julie's saying that, we are in like row 20-something of freaking Yak Air. What was it, JetBlue or something? Yes. Don't, yeah. And it wasn't actually that bad. It wasn't actually that bad. Yeah. However, had there been first class available, we would have. Yeah. But no. the point is, what, you know, this goes to your decisions in life. How many decisions are you making because you can't afford it currently? And you'll tell yourself, I choose not to afford it. Oh, I don't have to do that. I don't have to fly first class. I don't have to go on that really kick-ass vacation. I don't have to do that. And Would you vote for the same people you're voting for now if you were rich and free? Would you live in the same community if you were rich and free? you have enough money coming in passively? What, what wouldn't be different about the way you think and the way you coexist with other humans? What wouldn't drive. be better? <laughs> Name one thing. Okay? And yet, all of us claim we want to be free, but so many of us are holding ourselves back. Why? It's because we've all been brainwashed to be dependent. We've all basically been you know, convinced that we can't do it. We've all been convinced that you have to be born with it to have it. We've all been convinced that you have to have luck. We've all been convinced of all these things, but they're really not true. And the, the simple fact is, is of all those three things, health, wealth, um, and uh, your environment, the easiest thing to control is your wealth, by far. You have you more control of that than you do of your health in many ways, right? So tell, tell them the story about some of those documentaries we've seen where people say, well, it would just be really great to, maybe I, I just want to right size, downsize everything, and maybe if I just do a tiny house, or maybe if I lived in the jungle, the tribe story, Actually, right? I'm going to tell a different story, mm -hmm. okay? So here's the thing. A lot of people, again, this is societal. I'm doing my best to root out all of your, in, in, your internal, maybe not even... Um, you know, overt beliefs about be ri being rich because it's my belief that the reason that more people aren't rich is because they have what are called mooring lines in their brains that are holding them back 
and they're reinforcing those with their environment. Do you guys understand where I'm coming from here? So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to make you entertain you a little bit, but also give you permission to be introspective about why you think the way you think, so then you can choose to whether you want to continue thinking that way or not. Does that make sense? So there are people who believe that being uh, materialistic, or these other words, are, is bad. In other words, rich people are just materialistic, or rich people take from, in order for Carrie and Dan to be rich, they have to be taking it from somebody else. Now, I'm not going to ask you guys if you think that way, because most of you do without actually knowing it, but that's not true. Actually, the reason that Jeff Bezos is now the second richest person in the world is because he created value for other people. What you have financially, and remember, you gave us permission to talk about money, what you have financially is a direct reflection, and you should write this down, of the people that you helped. That's it. The more people you help, the more wealth you're able, the more profit revenue you're able to generate, the more profit you're able to have, the more opportunities you have to reinvest it. That's the whole formula. So if you don't like your present situation financially, it's simply because you haven't helped enough people yet. How does that feel, thinking about that? How does it feel to like bounce that around in your head? Good or bad? It should be liberating. Because now you know the formula. That's the formula. Rich is where your money works for you. You no longer have to work for your money. The reason that one person has other stuff that other people doesn't, or, or, you know, wealth, let's say, is simply because they've learned how to help more people at a high level. What are you guys thinking? Give us some feedback. It's not a big room. We can all have a conversation. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to pick on people. Justin, because you're checking your Instagram. What are you thinking? I'm on a coaching call with uh, Jeff, don't remember his last name, don't remember his state. It was a long time ago. And he wanted to learn how to call expires, different market. And he was, not, he was really good at the scripts, really good at the objection handlers. I mean, really good. But he wouldn't do it. And the reason he wouldn't do it is because he was worried, not about the rejection, which is normal, but he was worried about how he'd be perceived. He was worried in his head, and this is the reason that most of you guys, like if I were to pull you guys, how many of you guys consider yourselves salespeople? Raise your hand. How many of you are salespeople? Raise your hand. Okay, well, guess what? One of the biggest ways you can make more money is see what you are and read what your real estate license says. What does your real estate license say? Real estate. Salesperson. Right. So what is a salesperson? A salesperson is only somebody that solves other people's problems. That's what I am. That's what Julie is, right? Who earns the most money in the history of humanity? What profession <laughs> earns more money? Well, yes, exactly, salespeople. salespeople. If you want to be a successful dentist, doctor, if you want to be a successful, it doesn't, any, it doesn't matter, you have to be a really good salesperson. You do, or no one's going to want to do business with you. Tell, tell the quick story about uh, going to Dr. P's house. Did we finish the last one, though? Well, our, so this is all the same thing. The rule to write down, note takers, <clears throat> excuse me, is understand that your level of wealth is the direct reflection of your service to others. Accept the fact that the more people that you help accomplish their goals, the richer you will become and the more freedom, going back to our previous point, you will experience. But you're only going to become rich and free when you become of service to others. Okay, Jeff, I remember my own story. So he wouldn't actually do, he was really not good at setting appointments. So I had him write this down in a card. I am here to serve you. It sounds trite, right? But I asked him to read that, put that up on his wall when he's making a phone call because then when he was 
uh, talking with that prospective seller, he was actually able to remind himself that his highest, truest purpose on this planet is to be of service to other people. The closer you get to that actual belief about yourself, you can start out just by saying it. The more you say it, the more you'll become it, and then you're going to quickly realize that is your highest, truest purpose. Soon as he started internalizing that, he became one of my best appointment setters ever. He was setting one listing appointment a day, and he started taking three and four listings a week. It's because he stopped making it about himself right. and how it was making him feel. I don't want to, I'm worried with this person. It's like I'm on the phone with that person. I'm worried what they're going to say to me. I'm worried about how they're going to make me feel. What if they hurt my feelings? What if they ask me a question? I don't know. Me, 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 me. Nope. It's all about you. What can I do to be a, a service to you? That's what he did. And that's what turned the, the conversation uh, on his calls, but also his entire life. That is the direct correlation that if once you accept that, it's liberating, I think. It's, it gives you freedom. Right? So if you don't, if you don't, if you're not living the life that you want to live, if you don't have the economic freedom, it's just because you need to learn how to help more people accomplish their goals. The more people you help accomplish their goals, the more of your, your own goals you'll accomplish. Is this resonating with you guys? Everything in real estate is easier when you're there to be of service. Yep. Absolutely everything. If you get rejection, you're like, well, they're not rejecting me. They're just not ready yet. It's not, no, you're a terrible person. It's they're just not ready to buy or sell real estate. Why, why does everybody make it about them all the time and they're afraid to pick up the phone because they might feel rejection? When you change that and you make it about how you're going to be of service to them, then your transactions start to flow a lot faster. They're a lot closer together. You feel better about everything. We have a saying in our coaching organization, when you generate lots of opportunity, you don't have to tolerate. When you generate, you don't have to tolerate feast and famine. You don't have to tolerate, oh, it's all about me. I feel rejected all the time. You have to generate to make those decisions. That's Rich right. So uh, we'll just summarize this next point. Go ahead. Rich is a choice. So is being poor. So if you're not rich and free, it's because you're choosing to be poor and dependent. You are making that choice. Someone else has not made that choice for you. So yes, some people were born on third base and act like they hit homers. But stop thinking that the vast majority of millionaires we talked about, they didn't actually inherit it. That's not a thing. It is up to you. Your mantra in life needs to be, if it's meant to be, it's up to me. And some people are confused about materialism. Why do I want to be rich? I can just be happy with my million mile, you know, Camry from 1984, whatever, right? It's taupe. It's fine. Okay, but here's the reality of it is, we're all spiritual beings in a physical manifestation. Let's just all be in agreement about that. And so, as such, you need stuff. You need shoes. You need a house. You need clothes, you need food, you need a watch, you need things. So if you have the ability to help people and you have the ability to afford really nice stuff, why wouldn't you get really nice stuff? What's wrong with that? And don't be confused about it. It's okay. It's okay to have really want a great lifestyle. Because if you're going to want a really great lifestyle and you know your product is profit and you're investing that money and you're, you know, essentially your profit uh, creation spokes are starting to create more profit, why not enjoy life even more? Because again, our previous point, having more money does make everything better. And I am wondering, honestly, does that offend anybody that I said that? It's okay if it does. We're all friends here. It's okay. Well, there's a couple we don't like. No, they, they probably left already. Okay, <clears throat> so here's a good segue. Okay. Building wealth is more than just making good commissions. Remember, we're talking about all of you being rich. Building wealth is more than just making good commissions. You need a strategy to generate and retain that money, that's profit, and you need a system to ensure that you're on track to building massive wealth. We've all met people who have come into money and squandered it. That's not you. We're talking about a plan 
to leverage your real estate earnings into a portfolio that gives you financial independence and the ability to live that lifestyle that you desire. The reason you got into real estate, all that freedom that you've been talking about. So we're going to get it. That's our transition. Yeah, but let's not, I don't, I don't think for the sake of time, we should go over all of our notes in this uh, third phase, wherever it is. Where's your third phase? All right. So really, could you find that for me, please? You have the glasses. <laughs> there's part two, rules for wealth creating, and there's six rules for. Okay. So we're going to go through these quick. Okay. You can go ahead and. Okay. So six rules. Julie's the organizer. You guys figured that out. Delete rules. There could be six and a half or six and three quarters rules uh, for staying rich for life. So. Remember, your first job is to create that machine. So these are the rules for staying. Once you've, once you've built a, a successful real estate business, once the business is very profitable, once you're paying attention, realizing the product is your profit, now what you're going to start, you're wondering how, okay, is, I hear this a lot in coaching calls, and people do make this mistake. A lot of people believe that financial and personal success has to be a yo-yo. So here's a great, uh, this one's from Warren Buffett. Um, people, Americans, love to celebrate the comeback story. The person that earned a lot of money, lost it, earned it, lost it. Or, I, mean, I mean, right? Books, movies, everything's written about that. Warren says, I like to celebrate the person, business owner is what he said, entrepreneur more specifically, who earned their business and never lost it. Earned their money and never lost it. But we don't celebrate. There's no movies made about people like that. But so, again, this goes back to what your beliefs are. Do you believe that your wealth is all is tied to the economy and interest rates? Do you actually believe that? Because if you do, guess what? It's going to be. Or do you realize that in a different market, there's different opportunities? I heard somebody talking about short sales. Right now, there's a ton of expired opportunities. There's always expired opportunities. I'm sorry. There's always opportunities. Doesn't matter what the interest rates are. Doesn't matter who, what, who, the, who the president is. It doesn't matter what China's, you know, what size of the balloon is. Do you guys know that thing was, how many stories? like 200 feet tall and a couple thousand pounds or so it wasn't just like a little thing i mean how the hell did what they not that? see that thing in the air how, well what the anyway yeah so none of that matters but the reality of it is is that a lot of us believe that we can only have um, lifestyles that are always constantly like this and if you're always going like this you never get anywhere you're not you're not giving yourself an opportunity to build momentum does this resonate with you guys? So denormalize the belief that in real estate it's feast and famine, and that's just a cycle. I've heard trainer, trainers, hopefully nobody in this room, I'm sure not, but I have heard people say to agents, oh, it's normal, feast and famine is normal. You're going to have a big month, then you're going to starve next month. That's just how it is being a salesperson. Denormalize that. You have control. One of the things that we teach in coaching is to not be dependent on any one source of leads. You have to have multiple sources of leads. Can I give you guys the formula? And we're going to probably go over by like five minutes, but who cares? Can I give you guys the ultimate business plan? It's very simple. Ready? Julie and I are big fans of simple. More complicated things are, the, frankly, they're not going to work. You want to look for things that are anti-fragile. You want to look for things that are simple. You want to look for things that are practical, because those are the things that ultimately work. All right, here's your ultimate business plan. Are you ready? Who wants to basically uh, play with me? Who wants to uh, be my uh, sampler? Who, who, who? I'll pick somebody. I'll pick somebody. Mm. Amanda, thank you for raising your hand. <laughs> she was right. laughing and she, you, the reason I did it is because you were trying to break eye contact because you know I was going to pick on you. All right. By the way, uh, good job on your uh, sponsoring. So Amanda, what are, uh, you can make these numbers up. What is your average sale price? No, no, no. Just in general, in your marketplace. Okay, so your average commission is what? Pay attention, I'm gonna go fast. I'm only gonna do this once. Okay, whoo, let's applaud for 6%. Okay, all right, 18,000. 
All right, so can you write this down, though? So because you're giving me a, a, a number I, I can't do in my head. All right, how much, do you have to, how much do you have to earn per month to pay your own personal bills? Not business, just personal. Okay, so that's, let's say it's, let's assume it's 18, okay? You're going to upgrade everything. <laughs> you're going to, you're getting that boat. <laughs> All right. Okay, so in your, it, maybe you know this, you, I bet you know this. Amanda, what is, is your average days in the market right now like 90, 120, somewhere in there? Is it shorter? Okay, so in your marketplace, I'll, I'd have to look at her MLS numbers to know this for sure, but you guys need to write this down. This is called your magic number. I bet you she needs no more than five listings at all times, and every month she's going to have at least one listing sell, and of that one listing, she's going to easily cover all of her personal overhead. Five listings at all times, one sells, she makes $18,000, she thinks she needs $10,000 per month. One list, so if she has five listings, and let's say they're condition, price, location, all good, one sells, she's good. Five listings, one sells, she's making, you know, in her case, $240,000 a year. Now, I have a question for you. Why do we make it more complicated than that? Why do we make it more complicated than that? I don't understand. Another I don't understand. Not, not being a smart ass, and not at this present moment anyway. So, I mean, why don't we, why do people make it more complicated than that? I want you to think about what I just said. That's the beauty of real estate. That's the reason it's so absolutely stunningly beautiful. And yet we spend so much time thinking about all these other things. If you had Justin, do you know your numbers? You can make them up. Average sale price? Okay. All right. I, I like Midwestern numbers because you're going to hear that he has to probably sell. Well, you'll see. And what's your average? Is your average commission still 6% probably? Okay, so you're making six grand per sale? Okay, and how much is your personal overhead per month? Okay, so you're selling maybe a house a month and you're covering all your personal overhead. And I'm guessing your days in the market is more like 90 to 120 days, or am I wrong again? 60. 60 still? Okay, so Justin, how many houses do you have, how many active listings do you have to have one sell per month on autopilot to cover all your personal overhead? Well, yeah, basically, yeah. but you, if you had five listings at all times, wouldn't you basically always have at least one in contract? I mean, very predictably and duplicated. Okay, so why do we make it more hard than that? Why? I don't understand. I mean, if you had, in all your cases, because you guys are all still dealing with a very hot, you know, short inventory market, not true in the whole country, by the way, if you had enough inventory that you know your statistics, and in both cases, it's basically one deal, five listings equals one transaction, that means you have to learn how to take five listings. And your only job then becomes, if you choose to accept it, I'm trying to make your lives easier, your only job then becomes to replace what sells every month. As fast as you can. As fast as you can. And guess what? I'll give you an example. Uh, Chuck Williamson, I'm laughing because he always mentions when I mention him anytime we do anything. So Chuck is in Tracy, North Carolina, I think. No, Wilson, North Wilson. Carolina. He earns well over a million dollars per year. You've never heard of him. He's younger, than, he's like 46 or something. I had to show him how to get onto Facebook. He does not know. And all he does is, and he's been with Julie and I forever, and all he does is he just focuses on his magic number of listings. His buyer leads, he refers them out and take, uh, charges 35% to independent agents. When you generate listings, 
You don't have to tolerate driving all over God's green earth with every last fire. He refers all of his buyers out. How does that make you feel about saying that? I want feedback, live feedback. Let's hear what you're thinking. Why do we want to make it more complicated right. than that? Why do we want to make it so that we have to worry about all these millions of different things where we could just focus on our magic number of listings? How would you feel knowing every single day when you woke up in the morning, you had your five listings, you knew two were in contract, so your mission was to obviously take two additional listings. Is the reason that you're not doing that because you don't know how to list houses? Is that part of it? You don't know how to proactively lead generate? Or is it the reason is, is because you guys have only been in the business for the last 15 years and it's become normal to buy your leads where the reality of it is, sorry vendors, the reality of it is, is leads have no value. You can create, who does open houses? Give me a break. You have a good, decent house, you hold that house open, you have to beat the buyers off with a stick. Why do agents buy buyer leads? Explain that to me. I so it's you. simple math, right? You guys are all going, aha, light bulb. All I have to do is know my magic number. Your magic number, write it down so you do it. Your magic number is the number of active listings you personally have to have in your inventory at all times in order to meet or exceed your monthly goal of, for example, $10,000 a month to cover your personal overhead. You figure out how to do that. For most of you, that's three to five actives because things are still selling fast enough. You figure out how to do that, and here's the rub from a coaching perspective, right? Here's the rub. You gotta do it every single month. It's, most of you in this room probably can do that once or have done it or have that now. It's keeping it in inventory and turning things faster and making the time between your closings shorter. That's the challenge, which means you have to, podcast listeners, say it with me, do what you don't wanna do when you don't wanna do it at a high level, a high enough level that you are replacing them as they sell, and if you want your inventory to grow, because now your next aha is gonna be, okay, if I can do five, I think I can do five at all times, and that'll give me one to two closings per month. Now, what if I wanna to go to the next level? It is scalable. For 90 days, replace your listings two to one. You sell one, you replace it with two, and get to 10 actives at all times. Then you can invest your money, then you start having passive income, then your money starts working for you, because you're more than covering your overhead, and this becomes very predictable and duplicatable. Yeah, I mean, that's really the truth. And you can, that's how you have profit. When you're focused on being a prominently focused on being a listing agent, you then, what would you stop, what would you stop doing if, if you all sort of internalized the whole concept of the magic number, which is very simple? What would you stop doing? You don't have to say it out loud. But what would you not spend your money and your time on anymore? If you, okay, here's a fun, here's a fun question. <laughs> all right, so there's a competition that's happening for all the month of February. And if you guys take five listings, the first, first person take five listings, Carrie Shaw is going to write him a check for a million dollars taxes paid. And we weren't going to announce it, but here it is, five listings. <laughs> Carrie's giving me the finger. All right, so five <laughs> listings. You take five listings in the next 30 days, you get a million dollars taxes paid. You think I'm going to ask you how you're going to get it. I'm not. I'm going to ask you, what are you going to stop doing? If your mission was to take five listings in the next 30 days, and you get all the commission from the sales, and you get the million dollars, what are you gonna stop doing with your time? Crickets. Crickets. Yep. But you know what you'd stop doing. But what would you stop doing? Participate. Ladies. What would you stop doing? What would you stop doing? You have 30 days to take Did five listings. Okay, so you would, you would cut down your media consumption, perhaps. Okay, that's fair. Okay, what else? What would you stop doing? Yes, ma'am.
That's awesome, actually. Okay. So you drill down on the actual work of real estate. Right. What else would you stop doing that in your real sense. estate business? What would you stop doing in your real estate business? Wouldn't you stop doing the things that weren't leading direct to a paycheck? So what are the things that you're doing that wouldn't lead directly to your opportunity to take a listing in the next 30 days? We're trying to help you guys. We are not trying to sell anything. Answer the question, Mr. Cool Sweater. Yeah, you. What would you stop doing? Say again, please. You already said. You would do everything the same? Okay. Would, Assuming would you, you're well, getting results, that's a good, good Yeah, point. and there's no argument. If he knows what's... Sure. Right. Well, but that, that is a, a good point, okay? So oftentimes as agents, you get bored and you want the next shiny object. You want to try something, you know, somebody sells you on something or whatever. You want to try it, even though sometimes what you're doing is actually working. So here's a big light bulb. So one of the first things we do in coaching is find out where is your business actually coming from historically. Take your past five, some of you are brand new, you don't have past deals, but most of you do. Where were your past five, 10, 25, or 50 deals? Where did they come from? Yep. What is actually working based on your actual commissions and do more of that even if it's kind of boring to you? That might mean that you've figured something out. Don't be so distracted by the next shiny thing, especially if and when it is speculative. And if any of it is try it out, wait longer, or you know, expand what you're doing. Versus, well, my last five deals came from my past clients. Well, what is your past client system? Well, I don't really have one. Well, what if you did, if you got five without having a system, what would happen if you did actually talk to your past clients? Actually, let's drill down on what she just said. Would you, if you had to take five listings in 30 days and you got a check for a million dollars, would you just wait for your drip campaign to you know, result in a past client or center of influence calling you? Or would you pick up the damn phone and call them? What would you do? Remember, you only have 30 days and then the million dollar check's gone. All of you can do this. That's what I'm trying to help you realize. It is simple. It is not complicated. In this era where most of you, maybe four of us in this room, five with Jules, who have not been in this business for like 74% of all agents in the United States have only been in the business for five years or less. So you've only been in this era where it's normal to buy leads, where you're supposed to be focusing on all these other things. And those things, some of them are very important. But the reality of it is, is if you wanted to take five listings in the next 30 days, you will automatically, your mind's going to go to, what it, do I need to stop doing that is not going to lead directly to an opportunity for me to list a house? You don't want to say it out loud, but I know what you're thinking. What? Yeah, you'd stop buying leads. You'd probably actually you'd probably be really damn good at pre-qualifying, right? You'd be <laughs> yeah. so good at pre-qualifying. Let's say you had this challenge. All of a sudden, your pre-qualification scripts would just be dynamite because you'd be going through those calls faster. You'd be making more contacts, talking to more people, being more specific with whether they're going to work out or not, wouldn't they? All of you can do that. If I were to ask you if 100% of the people in your database know what their house is worth in today's market, do they? Isn't it your job to let them know? How many of them would make a housing decision based on finding out what that number is? You only have to do it for, you only have to do it for 30 days. Yeah. How many of you would start making actual direct contacts with people over the phone or in person? How many of you would become impatient, intolerant of the passive lead generation stuff, the waiting for people to call you? It's called proactive and it's called passive. 
Proactive is where you go directly after that person and you're there to be of service to them and you're gonna solve their problem. In the last 15 years, there's never been a better time to be a proactive agent than there is now. The passive has a place, but it comes after you've mastered the art and science. And by the way, it's not that hard to be a proactive lead generator. That's right. Carrie and I love something similar, open houses. You have what every agent complains about, a starving market for inventory. Inventory is so low, I can't find something, can't find something. You know what's fantastic about no inventory? You hold the right open house, people are beating your door down. That is one event, multiple contacts, systematize it, follow up, and you have, especially if you're doing it in a medium to higher end price range, those are also listing leads. So That's Julie, great. we've been an hour. Uh, if you guys, with Carrie's permission, if you guys want us to go five minutes more so we can summarize the next thing, or if you guys, I know you've been here a long time, if you guys just want to listen to our podcast next week, that's good too, because we'll be going over the third level of all this, because once you've learned to create your wealth creation machine, which is your real estate business, once you're creating lots of profit, once you're investing, then you're going to have to actually start thinking about how am I going to protect, and that's what the third level is for, so I'll, if you guys, uh, Raise of hands, who wants us to do it now? Or you can just listen to the podcast, you guys decide, because I know a lot of you guys are tired. Keep going, okay, we're gonna keep going, that's fine. Okay. I might have to take a hit of my water, which is really caffeinated. Caffeinated water. All right, so we're gonna go through these points, and I have to say, when Julie and I were building wealth, and we were creating wealth, I thought my accountant was gonna help us build wealth. Nope. I thought the guy trying to sell me securities was gonna help us build wealth, nope. And the reality of it was, is there was virtually no and still isn't real education, not on just to build it, you guys got that, but how to protect it once you have it. So we're going to tell you, we're going to go through these relatively quick, and then we'll give more detail on our podcast. But I'm going to give you guys some great news. You want, you want the really great news? Our plan, what has worked for generations, is to essentially do what we just said. You build a profitable business, profitable business, not really heard of in real estate. Guess what the average broker makes in terms of profit? Who wants to guess? Guess? Oh my God, Amanda, if you were running 30%, I wanna work for you. Yeah. The most brokerages make less than 2% net profit. Right, and that's in the best of times. So most brokers right now are losing their butts. That's the unfortunate truth. You know, these are statistics, you guys can Google it yourself. But the point is, is if you're going to, your, your mission, being in real estate, the greatest job is being a real estate practitioner who's focusing on being a listing agent. No two ways about it, because you can have the best margins, assuming you don't piss it all away. Um, so number one, build a profitable real estate business, profitable. Number two is to start investing and saving that money. We're not gonna have time to talk about that today, but we are gonna talk about how to protect it. Go for it, yes. Mrs. Harris. Okay, so this is rules for staying rich. So we've made the assumption you've built that that machine, you know how to make a living in real estate, and you know your magic number, you've got a working machine. Okay, so rule number one, never forget that no one wants you to be rich, you must never delegate anything completely. When you delegate completely, you are abdicating, which means you have given up control, you have given up control. So trust but verify. Tim gave the example of your CPA isn't gonna make you rich. Choose your advisors wisely. Don't hire somebody to help you build wealth who isn't actually rich themselves. You can tell I wrote that one. So there's two key points in there. Delegate, don't abdicate. Delegate, don't abdicate. That's number one, which means when you delegate something, and this is all, this is again something that's been basically a trend in most small business since the 90s. Your mission is to as quickly as possible to assign the task to somebody and get out of doing it. Who here has finally learned that basically big real estate businesses, and by the way, coaching practices too, it becomes something of an adult daycare, because that is what basically a lot of businesses become. 
And that's not necessarily the path to building actual wealth. So delegate. In other words, you can find somebody, but don't abdicate. Who knows what the word abdication means? Abdicate, yes. It means you give up power. Hands off, exactly. So never, never, never abdicate the, the result from that particular thing. And there was another uh, point in there. Choose your advisors wisely. Nope. Trust but verify. Oh, yeah, there's the other one. Trust but verify. Always trust but verify. Oh, I got it done. Mm-hmm. Well, like my example from our property manager. I hired a property manager. They're supposed to take care of everything, so I don't have to, right? And yet, every month, I still check to make sure that everything got deposited the way it should from the tenants that are on the list, and I still have to ask questions because I did not abdicate. I didn't say, oh, well, I don't have to worry about it anymore. Why are we telling you this? Because this is how you lose money. We've known many, many people who have delegated paying of their bills. Oh, and guess what happens? They get ripped off. We have seen many, like when you hire a professional advisor, they absolutely do not delegate. Who here thinks, well, I am supposed to all of a sudden just send my money off every single month to some place in the cloud and they invest it and they do magical things to it. How many of you, like, isn't that what we've all been trained to do by the financial industry? Be dummies and like give away our control. They want us to abdicate control of our money. You do that, you're gonna see they're gonna suck your feet through fees and whatever, so you have to be always somebody who's being watchful of everyone that you hire. There is never a point, no matter how much money you have, where you don't actually have to manage what's going on. So you all want to be free. We wanted to be free. We are largely free, but the reality of it is, is now what we do, we have to manage the people that we put in place. And if we don't, and they know we're not watching, they're not going to do as good of a job as they otherwise would. And I'll tell you something more. When you're trying to expand your wealth and protect your assets, you're going to have to do your own homework because no one's going to come to you. We're going to do our best right now and give you the roadmap, but you're going to have to do your own homework to protect your own assets because you're going to go to your accountant and he's not going to know jack about what we're about to tell you. I'll prove it to you. Go. Okay. Well, rule number two, always have your hedges, insurance, savings, building anti-fragile systems. For example, we talked about not being dependent on buying buyer leads, being more dependent on listings. But Have she, your hedges. But the most important thing is what are the destroyers of wealth? When you accumulate wealth, what destroys wealth the fastest, right? I can tell you what Warren Buffett said. He said, well, it's kind of sexist. Is there going to be a little sexist? No? Yes? You guys? You it's, can say it. All right, so Warren Buffett said the three things that destroy, no, actually, as Charlie Mulgrew said, whiskey, women, and, no, no, it was three, it was L's, uh, uh, liquor, ladies, and leverage. Those are the three things, basically borrowing too much money. That's what Charlie said. I would never have said that. I'm not a sexist, but I'm just saying that's what he said. But it is interesting because all of us basically fall prey to that. Well, leverage is one where, you know, Debt. a lot of people will, will coach you that you just keep on leveraging yourself up and use one thing to invest in the next, and then it all comes unglued. Who, what was the quote you were telling me this morning? Well, that's the reason a lot of people spend all the money they have, because they don't believe it's going to be there in the future, because they believe that when they have money, they have to spend it all, because God forbid it's not there in the future. And so what do they do? They make it so they don't have any money in the future. So the best way to basically never have to declare bankruptcy, I've never known somebody, have you guys ever known anyone that's declared bankruptcy uh, that didn't have any debt, putting the pieces together, right? No debt, you can't go yeah. broke. Lots of debt, you go broke. So don't over leverage yourself. And again, we're coming out of this zero interest rate thing where frankly, it did make sense to borrow money in some cases. But now, going forward, as you're building your wealth creation, the best way, like Julie and I have a bunch of rental properties. Three of them have debt on them, the others don't. 
And we learned the hard way. If you have a bunch of rental properties and where you have your rental properties has a downturn in the economy and people aren't making their mortgage payments, then guess what? You have to cash flow those rental properties. So rental properties is the most assured way to build wealth for normal people, which all of us are. And rental properties are not ever going to be something you completely rely on and, you know, essentially be hands-free of. Does this make sense conceptually? You guys getting this? Let's okay. go through the let's go through the actual mechanics. The rule number three: all of your assets, as you're building them, you have to protect. Get them into LLCs. Those LLCs should be owned by specifically a Nevada spendthrift. Write that trust. down. That's what we learned. Julie and I had to study this. We just gave you guys some. When you have assets and you don't have to be a Nevada resident to do this, you guys have to be putting, not have to, suggesting. And no, we're not selling trusts. And no, we're not financial advisors. Okay. There's no, there's no, there's no thing that's going to be offered to you, I promise. So the reality of it is, though, is you have to be putting all of your assets in LLCs and to put your LLCs in a Nevada Spendthrift Trust. And I'm not even going to tell you why a Nevada Spendthrift Trust. I want you to explore it yourself, but here's what I want you to do. You're going to talk to your accountant in Florida or California or Texas, and you're going to say, I'm thinking about doing a Nevada Spendthrift Trust, and they're going to tell you, all oh, I can do a trust here in California. It's the same. Bullshit. It's not the same. Do your own homework. One actually will do, it's called a spendthrift trust. Spendthrift trust structure absolutely has like the ultimate level of protection for your assets. That's what you want. Because once you've worked your butts off to have these assets, you want to keep them. And it's not just houses. Houses are the most obvious ones. That's what we all do, right? But you can also put a savings account. You can put your kids uh, 529. You can have a paid off car in your trust. There's all kinds of things that you can protect. You can have assets with debt in your trust. So the things that are wealth destroyers, not having enough health insurance, not paying your taxes, getting divorced. Um, I mean, we've seen all kinds of different things. Being over leveraged. Those are really the four things. So you can control all four of those things. And then, you know, you can buy insurance to basically hedge against health, health problems and all these rest of it. All of us have stories, personal stories or people we know that ran afoul with the IRS, right? That's like a normal sort of rite of passage that every real estate agent thinks they need to suffer through. Well, you really don't, but you know, those are again, wealth destroyers. Rule number four, live in a place and sell real estate potentially in a place that treats you the best. Weather, taxes, politics, look into it. Once you're living off passive cash flow, you can make other decisions. Now we're in Florida, so you have some advantages. State taxes, and you guys have a great um, homestead exemption here too. Yes, but you should know more about states. Some of uh, our coaching clients are licensed in more than one state. You should look into that because it's not the same everywhere. There yep. are major advantages in different states. But explore this. Do you guys know what homestead exemption is? Do you guys know what it is in Florida? Who knows what it is in Florida? Who knows what it is in Texas? Anybody, anybody? What's that from Ferris Bueller? Bueller. Something you should know about for your clients too. Right. You, because it's basically in Texas in particular, there's a limit to how much you can put in your homestead. In Texas, not making this up, I think your house can be worth up to $5 million. You can have a certain number of, not making this up, cows, pickup trucks, things like that. Acreage. Which means if worst case scenario happens and you have a tenant slip and fall and for whatever reason that asset isn't in your trust or you get sued for something, whatever, worst case scenario happens, they can't go after what's in your homestead. You understand? Other states, it's like $20,000 is covered. Yeah. That's it. So you, you, it's easy to research online. Okay, so the next one, do not become complacent. If your health, for example, is crap, but you are rich, that's no fun. 
If you're finally rich and your marriage failed, well, there goes your wealth. You've got to take care of all of your assets, not just the obvious ones. Your health is an asset. Your relationships are an asset. Don't get complacent. We've seen businesses be wrecked because somebody was doing really great, but they just kind of got bored. So they made some mistakes and they wrecked it. And then they're in the rebuild stage or they don't have it in them anymore to rebuild. Here's the don't big, here, here's what happens in a market like this. And this is a special message for any of you who are having problems in your marriages. Okay, I'm gonna tell you a story from um, a book called The Astronaut's Guide to the Universe. Did I get it right? That's right. Okay. No, An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth. We're nerds, so there you go. It's great, you can get it on audio audiobook. All right, so he's talking about the fact that he is in Canada. He was talking about the fact that for you to become even uh, qualified to be considered an astronaut, you pretty much had to be the best of the best. The best academically, physically, mentally, emotionally. You were a rock star your entire life. In a lot of ways, and he says this in his book, a lot of those people were born on third base. They had natural advantages. They never had to compete against another person like them until they all tried to become astronauts. So for the first time, a lot of these people are trying to become astronauts at the same time, and guess what starts to happen? They start failing for the first time. Now, a lot of you are coming out of a long-term, essentially inflated, uh, uh, I don't want to say it like that, but the reality of it is the interest rates caused a lot of buoyancy in the market. People were buying and selling real estate largely out of fear of missing out. Now we're entering into a skills market. So a lot of you, going back to my story, like the astronauts, so the astronauts are in this training thing. They're having to do all this horribleness. I don't know if you guys have ever watched anything like that. It's like as bad as becoming a Navy SEAL. And these guys started to fail. There were no women in this guy's class, so they, but they started to fail. They developed health, pro or some of them developed health problems, but almost all of them developed problems with their spouses. And he's writing this, and I thought it was very fascinating because it was, we'd seen it happen with friends, family members, and real estate coaching clients. And so what happens is, is when they feel in control, they're at the top of the world. But all of a sudden, now they're in an environment where they're not in control, and they then look for something to control, and they destroy their relationships. And in his class, I believe he said he was the only one that didn't get a divorce. So this is the problem with uh, not being conscientious of the decisions and the thoughts and the things that you're allowing to you know, percolate in your brain, because to Julie's point, you could basically end up in the next five years and have a lot of wealth, but have destroyed other aspects of your life. That's the point about being complacent. Does that resonate with you guys? So stay frosty. All right, rule number six, never forget. If you want ever increasing levels of success in your business and personal life, you must do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. Like staying in this room for eight hours. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So uh, we talked about the Warren Buffett story. That's next. So that in our conclusion, do you feel like we have given you some education, some motivation? But we have some good like news for you. Yes. Good news. Okay. So it took us 20 years to basically be rich where our money is working for us. So we no longer had to work for our money. We actually... And, and by the way, our average sell price was not a billion dollars no. like some of you have. It was like his. It yeah, we, we changed it the letter in our like seventh, eighth, ninth year. We moved to an area that was close to a million, but all of our bread and butter sales were done on normal sale price houses. We didn't list a building. We didn't, you know, we have did a units. family business. It was a deal at a time at a time. You and can always tell, like, if I asked Justin what, it, what he did last year, you can always tell someone that's a production-based agent because they're going to tell you the units. The agents that have high sale prices, they never want to talk about units. They're always going to tell volume. you dollar volume, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You take somebody yeah. like Justin, true story, where he's used to doing hundreds of little, you know, relatively affordable homes, and you drop them in a hyper-competitive luxury market, 
game over for those luxury agents. We've well, seen that happen in our coaching business. Clock. They clean their clock because they're used to working at a higher standard. So true. Yeah. So. Yes, you lost oh, my train okay. of thought. Okay. So here, yes, I did. So here's the thing. It took us 20 years. It's yeah. going to take some of you just as long because you've got to buy rental properties, and right now it's really hard to do it because everything's expensive. I saw something the other day. Buy this $350,000 house and put down $50,000. It'll make you $364 positive cash flow per month. Well, if you're 50, that's not going to be very encouraging because what happens if that tenant goes vacant? So in our uh, 32 years of marriage, I can't believe that, our 32 years of marriage and our over two decades of being in business together, uh, there's, the, and I'll just, you know, we're not going to bullshit you guys, the single greatest thing that we've ever come across with regards to wealth creation, what am I going to say? That's right, revenue share from eXp Realty. I've never seen anything like it. And because what, and if we had to do it all over again, and some of you are young enough that you can do both, which frankly is probably smart, but if we had to do it all over again, Julie Harris, would we buy any rental properties? Hell no. Hell no. Because the I'm glad that we have them, don't get me wrong. That's right. great. But if I were in today's market with the opportunities that you guys have, I would not do that. Nope. Because no the way. simple fact is, is that the revenue share, it's just that one facet of, of EXP, and it doesn't resonate with all of you. There's 87,000 agents in EXP, and like less than 20,000 have any revenue share. It's not like they don't just care, they just join EXP for the sake of EXP. But the revenue share widget inside EXP is like you go to an EXP event and it's gonna be people of all different experiences and backgrounds and everything. And then you're gonna walk it up to somebody who, you know, never a great producer, had shoes don't match, probably, you know, forgot to brush their teeth. And you're gonna ask them uh, to get to talking to them and they're making like, you know, thousands of dollars per month they're making enough money. I remember the first time we went to an event. Can I tell you guys another story? Because Julie and I said, we were like, Carrie, we didn't just say no, we said, that's right. And they, and they pursued us since the, the second they got started. The first time that they presented to Julie and I, they showed us the avatars in the XP world. And I'm like, I don't understand what I'm seeing. It doesn't make sense. I actually said, why would you want a brokerage in the cloud? Who doesn't? Right. But I had a coaching call with um, Brandon Jackson in Ral uh, North Carolina, Charlotte. I don't remember, Charlotte, right? And he, he said, Tim, what is going on at the XP? And this was back in like late 2017. And I said, I've heard of them, avatars, video game, I didn't know. And then he said, Tim, I've just lost like 15 agents. And he was running a brokerage of over 100 agents for somebody. I just lost like 15 agents to XP Realty. And then I called. I won't say who, but I called one of the former CEOs of Keller Williams that we're friends with, and he laughed at me on the phone. <laughs> he laughed at me and said, why don't you know about this already? You should know about this. So then, I was still no. We went to an event in San Antonio, Texas. We went down there, and I walked into the room, and I have to tell you, it was one of the most emotional experiences that I wasn't expecting of my professional life because of what revenue share, even 600 bucks, or 3,000 bucks, or 5,000 bucks. You're talking monthly recurring. Right, means in people's lives. And when, I, when we experienced that on the way back up, you guys know Austin, there's a toll road, it's called Toll Road 130. It's not for everybody, it's fine, I don't care. So, huh? Oh, okay, got it. That's all right. Okay. Gosh, that's rude. That's all right, that's fine. <laughs> no, we went late, it's not your fault. All right, so anyway, yes, we're driving up on the toll road. 
you know there's a toll road in Texas called the 130, where if the, the southern part of it, the speed limit is 85? Hmm, yes. I said that nicknamed the Texas Grand Prix or something. They do, Texas, um, whatever, Audubon. So we're driving up, and Julie is not saying anything. And I'm driving, and she's saying, we just, we just left this event. We're not talking. We're just sitting there kind of like taking it all in. And she goes, so what did you think? <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I'm like, and I'm still, I'm like, Carrie, I am like, nope, we're not doing that. And the reason we didn't want to do it, or reason I thought we didn't want to do it, was my ego, 100%. That's why. Because I was worried what it was, effect it was going to have on our coaching business, frankly. I was worried when we aligned with EXP, if we were to, people would say, well, I don't want to be coached by Tim and Julie anymore because they're with EXP. By the way, that was complete bunk. So she goes, so then she quizzed me. <laughs> Go ahead. You want to ask the question? You want to embarrass me? Well, first of all, we, went to, we were kind of on a little fact-finding mission to this event. Not, I mean, I don't think we were really taking it all that seriously. We are still 90% no. We were mostly no. We're like, okay, we'll go because we got, you know. Friends. We, we might as well, I mean, the person you talked to from KW said you should at least go to an event and see what it's about. And it was nearby, so we went. So we didn't have a lot of expectation from it. We came back after watching just panels of people and speakers and a lot of, you know, really great but kind of middle-of-the-road agents speaking about the impact that a regular three it was or five thousand dollars a month was making on their family. People paid off debt. They paid for college. They had vacations they've never dreamed of before. Elizabeth Riley told the story. She said that she, um, I think she has five kids. She remembers the first when she started accumulating enough monthly revenue that she was able to finally take her kids to Disney World. Yes, but it, it, just the impact. And you know, we actually sold real estate for a living. We know how hard it can be. We know that you go in the grinder and come out some days and you wonder why you're in it and it feels like it's kicking your butt all the time. And to see agents come up on stage and say, you know what, I love real estate, but I extra love what, what this is doing for me. I'm doing the same transactions I did before, but now I have all these extra benefits. I'm a part owner in the brokerage that I work at. They had a lot of pride and I've never seen agents be so... I mean, for a long time. Because yeah. for the first time ever, they actually had their fingertips on being free. They That's had why. their fingertips on being free. It had a huge impact. And the community and the family, I know a lot of people say, well, we're agent friendly. It really agent -centric. is agent centric. Yep. It, it truly is like a family. And I hadn't seen that in years. So we're driving up. So we're driving up and we're kind of digesting all this. And I'm going through my notes and stuff. And, and you're still maybe a bit of a skeptic. And I'm, I'm being like, you know, stoic. That's the word for, you know, jackass. You said it, not me. So, so I said, well, now that we know all of this, because it was abundantly clear from that event, that we know that this is potentially the best. Well, you thing. asked me questions. Let's I, do it. I asked you, do you what did you think? What, no, you, you, know, you asked me, the first question she asked me, because I remember it. She said, Tim, do you believe our mission is to be of service to our coaching clients? That's what she asked me. And then she asked me what the heck that meant. I, she was coaching me, basically. I saw her coming. So then I, then I answered her question, and I said, then she said, do you believe that um, agents at EXP, in com combination with what we're teaching them, is going to help them essentially accomplish financial freedom? It's going to be the betterment of the agents. So in other words, she cornered me, right? So she said, if you believe that our mission on this planet is to be of service to other people, and our people are real estate people, and you believe that this is going to make their lives better, then why aren't we doing it? And then she didn't say anything. And then she said, well, if we don't do it, if you choose not to do it, you're a hypocrite. And then she said, nothing. Mic drop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
She well, coached me, basically. As a coaching organization, our mission is to educate you, motivate you, get into action, try and shorten your learning curve, have your back, get you to your goals faster. And if we knew that this existed and that that can be a gigantic wealth accelerator and we didn't tell all of you about it. We're hypocrites. That's kind of dumb. Right. So when I, if you're offended that we talked about EXP, because we have a podcast, our podcast every month has 450,000 downloads. Not bragging, from Ohio, don't like talking about myself, but it's the number one listened to daily podcast for real estate agents in at least the United States. Uh, and we talk about EXP, there's always a few people that put in snarky comments, but I'll be a hypocrite if we don't talk about it. Just like I'm a hypocrite if I didn't tell you guys the other things we told you. If I know something and I can tell you, and I am confident it's gonna help your lives and I don't tell you, I'm, I mean. Well, you're massively out of integrity if you do. Exactly, that. does that make sense? So that's how we feel about it. So, that's yeah. That's why. That's it. We got nothing else. That's it. Thank you, guys. Nice job. Right. Thank you for tuning in to this special edition. Carrie and I love doing the Hyperfast Agent Summit. We love doing events. And guess what? Even more than that, we love partnering with real estate agents. Uh, and now we're, what, in over 12 states, 15 states. We love partnering with real estate agents from all over the country. If you want to get access to top-level training, to multiple real estate coaching programs, to mentoring from myself and Carrie Shaw, to help in scaling your business and building multiple streams of income by partnering with us at EXP Realty, I would be honored to sponsor you along with Carrie Shaw at EXP Realty. All you need to do is send me a text message to 703-638-4393. Again, that is 703-638-4393. Just text me. Yes, it is me. And I will respond and talk to you about how you can partner with Carrie Scholl and I at eXp Realty. Thanks for tuning into the show. We'll see you next time.